Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. All right, so Lisa, we're up to part three. We are. We Well, we, we've kind of called the series Managing the Churn. Yep. And in episode one, if you missed it, of this or part one, you know, we've kind of defined the churn as different than turnover. Churn just being, I don't know, you you define it. There's, well, there's turnover to me is just an, is, is numbers and analysis. And the churn is the effort and energy involved in turnover that the expected it's kind of a a burden i mean you have you have to expect it and it's going to take time effort energy to replace it it's it's just it's just different to me yeah it's an ongoing analysis and this is this is much more than that yeah i agree and we're coming at it with a perspective that as leaders there are things that we can do and so today i don't know i thought I'll give you my metaphor and you can chime in on this, but I've got some good friends over in my favorite place in Arkansas and they came from a different area of the country. She's a bit of an amateur horticulturist. And so they built this new house on one of the lakes there and they spent a lot of money landscaping it, you know, all of her favorite plants and things. And last winter it killed everything. And she didn't take into account, she said, she didn't take into account the soil, the difference in the soil there versus where she was accustomed to and the climate. And I was thinking about us. I was thinking about this whole leadership thing. And for me, that's a really great metaphor for culture. The culture that we establish in our workplace is both the soil and the climate. You can apply whatever you want. As you're, as you're thinking about this when it comes to leadership, but that's on us. Yeah. I think that's completely on us. And I'm a person who believes that we're just empowered. If we'll just own that lock, stock and barrel, not all soil and not all climate is conducive for just any plant. So here in part three, we're going to assume that we, we talked last time about hiring and the proper processes and the things that you have learned in your experience in putting a team together. So now we're going to assume that we've, we've done our best. It's not perfect. It's not an exact science because we're dealing with people, humans, and we can make up our mind and we can change our mind and we can't live for somebody else. We can't do it for others. We can do for them things that they may not be able to do themselves, which is what part of leadership is, but, we all still get to decide. Mm -hmm. So we've done our best. We've put our team together and we believe that we've put in the effort to get the soil and the climate right, to get this culture that now we can help people grow. We can help people thrive. We're still going to experience churn. People are still going to get opportunities and they're going to leave for various and sundry reasons. Um, Some that may have nothing to do with us, some that may have nothing to do with the soil or the climate that we've created. It just may be where they're at in life. Uh, I mean, I've had people, I've had key people that moved out of town, took an opportunity because there were family issues. There were other things that were beckoning that trumped 
their career at that particular time, it's going to happen. So now today, let's, let's talk a little bit and share some of your insights. What can we do to manage that churn? We know we're going to experience it, but what can we do to give people the best advantages possible so that they can grow and thrive? Well, the, the very first thing that I do to try to manage churn is to try to keep your people here. In other words, if there is turnover, uh, if there is turnover in any uh, position that you have, and let's, and let's look at your own department first, right? So in HR, if I had a position. Uh, so promote from within, you're saying. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, you have somebody that leaves and goes external typically, yeah, right, but that right. opens up usually a series of events, depending on how high in your organization they are. It's a trickle up, right? It opens up something, then opens up something else if you promote within. within. But in order to promote within, for a long time prior, you need to be developing your people and exposing them so that you're arming them to compete. Uh, I've seen organizations that focus on, okay, well, I got to promote her because she's the longest tenured, or I got to promote him because, you know, he's, he's been enrolled the longest. Well, no, that in, in our world, I always tell my staff, I want to give you the best opportunity to compete and compete. You will, you, it's not a given just because you've been here the longest, you have to have demonstrated initiative. You have to have demonstrated teamwork, camaraderie, the spirit of teamwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all of those things are evident, but that's part of the culture you talk about, part of the soil and climate that you have to create long before an opening occurs to try to keep them internal. And then you have to recognize if we can't keep them internal, that we're growing them to represent you external. In other words, they are selling what you had here and creating it somewhere else in their own way and in their own method. That's the best you can do. And we've talked about grow them and send them, right? I try yep. to grow them and send them because I expect the churn. So I try to do the best I can while they were here with me to make them the best HR specialist, coordinator, manager, whatever it is that they are, so that when they go to another organization, they have the skill set and wisdom, you know, they become fruitful, right? Uh, a plant that becomes fruitful. So that's that's the first part is creating a culture of growth and um, development that internally, that I think that's often lacking in, in departments because we all get, and I've been there myself, we all get so busy. You just feel like there's no time for development. You just got to survive the day with the tasks in front of you. And I think we, you really, if that's where you're living right now and that's where you're at, um, I would tell you, you need to step back and take a breath and see if you can shift something, shift a priority, shift uh, the unnecessary, you know, shift the inefficient so that you have time to develop and train because that's what adds value to your people. What are some specific things that you've learned to do that helped you do that? Um, just trying to first engage with staff, share wisdom where I can. It's not always perfect. It's very hard to do sometimes because of time. But I really like um, I really like trying to make my rounds with staff, asking how they're doing, checking in with my managers. Or we have a weekly meeting, checking with my managers on, okay, what have we done? What have we done? 
one to develop our staff. Uh, how's the training with so-and-so going? It's not always a specific development question, but I'm always curious as to know, well, how did we handle that? How did we grow them? How are we teaching them? You know, uh, that, that focus, because it's easy to be punitive when your staff is trying to learn mm-hmm. because you think they should get it faster than they did, than they are. But everybody, like you said, plants need different nutrients. Some need more water than others. Some need better soil than others. Some need fertilizer and some don't. Some are drought tolerant and some aren't, you know, you have to really know your people. That's probably the second thing, develop them and know them, know what motivates them, know what drives them, know what they value and make sure you're uh, utilizing their gifts for the greater good of the department. Yeah, I mean, I think it's involved. I think it's involvement. You know, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody. We were we were just talking about various issues that maybe come up in a family, and um, he's got a few kids, uh, various ages. And the, the question was, you know, how how much do you involve kids in in family issues? And um, and he asked me, and I said, well, you know. I was pretty much an open book. Now, when the kids were little, no, you know, we're not going to burden, we're not going to burden a child with career challenges or family challenges or financial challenges or whatnot. But as the kids got older, more involvement, much more involvement, Mm -hmm. much more candor, much more transparency. And it seems to me in watching you and your department, I mean, is that a fair analogy? for yes. how, how you approached it. You know, it was just a lot, a lot more openness and candor of talking about things, whether it's okay, I did this yeah. and it was not the right move. And yeah. now we need to course correct, or here's what we did as a group. We thought this was the right decision based on the Intel that we had at the time, but now we know more. It's just those kinds of conversations that in so many cases I find leaders just don't have it's for me it's not so much some formulaic um regimented training program no i'm not saying there's anything wrong with those but it's just this daily conversation and openness yeah i've in fact i've had somebody ask me before uh you know will you be my mentor who's better to be my mentor than you uh if they're in the department right right and it's a great, it's a, it's a great question, but the, my response is I'm happy. I'm happy to do that specifically, but I'm, I want you to know I'm doing it every day. You just don't know it. Right. You just don't know it because whenever you have a question or whatever, I pull you guys into a meeting or I say, okay, here's, here's what this is and why it's important. Or so how would you go about doing that? When I'm asking those questions, I'm not telling them they're answering the questions for themselves and learning through the questioning, mm-hmm. right? It's not, I could have easily told them in five minutes what I want them to do, but I want them to th- think through what they're doing and why they're doing it and connect the dots because that's much more powerful than me just always telling them the answer. It's just like Pavlov's dog. Once you start training it, yeah, then they're going to, they're going to follow the, that path. Right. And, and my staff, I believe knows that, I'm going to ask questions, not because I doubt you, but because I want to see where your wisdom is and where the gaps are that I need to fill. 
because that's where the long-term benefit will come to them in our department and the value they're going to add through through hearing the wisdom, then applying it, and then experiencing it for themselves to learn some more. So is it fair to break this down into those two parts? In your mind, is this this whole soil and climate kind of a thing and trying to manage the churn us, we'll call it engaging, deeper engagement with people for the purposes of coaching and mentoring and training, coupled with the second thing, that you mentioned and that was knowing them right getting it really personal is there any are those the two the main things it, that come to your mind the plant itself the plant itself you've got to make sure from our part two you find the right plant yeah right? which is I mean, which is which is them that's right, right. That's i mean right. so so if if part one of of this of this would be we need to share we need to engage them we need to make sure that we're being as open and transparent so that they can learn and grow and then coupled with that the second thing is okay them because you got you got a, a team of a dozen or more people they're all different they've got different aspirations they got different desires we we want to grow people but at the same time now we got to take into account each individual person that's right. And what what they want to, you're going to have people and then maybe there's an opening that comes up, but it's just, it doesn't have their name written on it. It's not That's something right. that they really aspire to, nor do you think that they would thrive in that position. Or, or they just want the position because it's a higher level and they're not ready. That's the, yeah. high, that's the more difficult conversation. And I've had to have that before, but it's, me having their best interest at heart. That is not the right role for them at that point. Right. Um, but those, man, those are hard conversations to have. But, but it those, does two, boil those, down two to those two things are things. Uh, okay. Is yeah, there, basic, well, and I kind of see it as three. It's a little bit more independent. Well, that's what that, I was going to ask. Do you see something the, else? The cult, well, the culture to me is the, is the um, environment that you talked about. The culture is the environment. Uh -huh. Right. The soil is the leadership. You right. have to create that soil, create that foundation well yeah on the climate grow, the soil control yes. for lack of a better phrase is not a one is not a one and done thing That's i don't right. want to give anybody the impression that we think yeah you just throw it out there and you're done you know once you got the soil you know no well, and you know it's so interesting because to this point when i was if for those who have been listening for a year or better uh early on in my career if you've missed it i i worked through this as a team and literally got them at our strategic session one of the things I was trying to work on with the team, this probably been, it's actually was 2019. So it's been a while back more than a year ago, but um, one of the things we had difficulty, we had some challenges with um, some prior staff that were gone and I was trying to rebuild at this point. Right. So we're rebuilding our team. Uh, and, and it was a, I needed to go through the physical process of them understanding what I'm talking about and rebuilding a team and what I did and what was valuable, and it doesn't work with every group. Uh, our listeners would have to figure out if that's something that would work, with, but I knew it would work with my team, and I had males on the team too. And we literally got, I got them planters, little tiny, you know, those orange planters. Right. I got soil, and I got a whole bunch of different seeds. Uh, then I got some different, differing decoration stickers, some with words on them, like power, encouragement, team. I mean, all different kinds of joy, and everything had a purpose. And we talked about as a team, we had to plant, 
start fresh, new pot, start fresh. Uh, we had to plant it and then we had to pick the seeds, decorate our planter, and then um, water them ongoing. And it sounds like a simple concept, but I said, this isn't a one and done. So as they picked their seeds, I said, why? Why did you pick that seed? And it was interesting because it reflected on what you could see themselves coming out in it. Well, yeah. I like, you know, I, I love cucumbers and I love this, or this one's easier to grow. I want low maintenance. <laughs> right. I mean, you could start seeing yeah, things in people and it was sure. fun. Yeah. And then we talked about, then we got a watering pot, right? Mm -hmm. a, a metal watering pot. And I said, I want everybody to take one word, go through the stickers that have words, one word of what's most important to you in a team. You can make it apply however you want and just go stick it on the pot. I don't, there's no order. You don't have to watch you, who puts what on. We're not going one at a time. Just go place your word on there. And then when the pot was finished, I, I called it out. And, you know, in, in people over time were kind of in tears because we had gone through a lot at that point as a team, mm -hmm. but they saw that. And I said, this pot is our, we are unified in this. We are, a we are a team. And as we go through and, and water these pots, as we went along, we're to take care of one another. It's not just my plant. My plant is the success of the team is the success of this little mini garden we've got going. Right. And we went through and, and I didn't expect this to last forever. You know, like all things, it gets old. Sure. Right? right. But for probably three months, those things sprouted and became, I bet six or eight inches tall, some of them. Mm -hmm. And some of them died and we'd laugh and go bury it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Have a funeral team, for team it. Team didn't pull together on that yeah. one. Poor little plant died over the weekend. You know? yeah. Yeah. But it was a good effort. And then we talked about, there were sprouts coming up. And I said, we talked about weeding out negativity. Mm -hmm. yep. Negativity was, I said, that is a plant killer. Just like weeds, they will take over and suck the life out of everything in that garden. And so it was good lessons we were able to apply over time. And my point being, as we did all those, it goes to the exact thing here. You've got to set the foundation for that team in your soil and in the climate and getting the right people, the right plants in your garden, right? Or it just won't work. If you're just letting the negative be negative and continue to be negative and you're not taking care of that as part of your garden and part of this environment, the soil will forever have weeds. And until you clear it out and take care of it, it's you're going to be just battling forever. And I had to learn that lesson. Um, but we've been on the path ever since. And it, like you said, it can't quit. We just went to different activities, right? But we're reinforcing yeah. the, the foundation we built on that day of a restart. Well, we owe important. it. Yeah, we owe it to the people that, I mean, we want to help everybody grow. But if somebody makes up their mind that they're going to be a weed and all they're going to do is just take up space and water and nutrients from everybody else, I mean, you do have to weed the garden. I mean, you just yeah. do. There, there is yeah. addition by subtraction. There are roster changes. I don't know of any high-performing leader that hasn't had to learn, most of us, the hard way. We had to learn that we had to subtract somebody from our team. And it's especially difficult if that somebody is a high performer in their own work, but they're, de they're detrimental to everybody else's work. Yeah. And those for me have been the toughest ones 
somebody that we look at and they're like, man, they're a rock star when it comes to their own work product, but they're cancerous to the entire group. Right. Um, and you just, you just can't tolerate it. Let me go to the, to the people first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we're now looking at the people and knowing the people, what are some things that, that you've learned that work? Well, you have to you have to play to what is valuable to them. And, and I don't mean play as being insincere, but you when you know what's valuable to them. That well, let's talk about you, that. How do you find that out? Well, it's 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 just engaging. You have to engage with them, but it has to be purposeful. You know, um, I just I just go around and uh, and talk to my staff and this isn't every day. I mean. A lot of people will do this every day, every morning. I, I don't do that. That's not my style. But there's two or three times a week I kind of walk around and go up front. If I see I'm not busy with a customer, how was your weekend? Got anything upcoming planned? You just kind of start learning about them. And you'll quickly realize what's important to each person. And you also connect with them on different levels. Some are very closed. Some are very open. It's an open book to tell you everything, including, you know, about the health of their kids and the health of their spouse and um, and you do you, do you have specific conversations about what their professional aspirations are? I do, but typically, um, so that I, I started at the manager level so they can get some intimate um, information. So it's teaching my managers to know their staff. They relay it to me and then I kind of feed on that throughout the year. And I'll say, you know, there's, um, I, I, I understand you're interested next. Do you want to help on this project? So it just makes them know. I know about it. I know right. about their interests. It's not um, it's not promotion of self for me. In other words, I'm not saying, look, Lisa knows. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. letting them know that they're valuable enough for me to know about them and know what they want. Yeah, and I'm you're paying to help attention. Them get you there. care. Right. That's correct. So I think it's just investing and engaging. Um, for me, Randy, I don't have very specific conversations that are targeted other when I'm doing my one-on-ones you know, that you and I've talked about, I don't do them at the frequency, you know, you and I had kind of bounced around ideas. I don't do them at the frequency of others, but my staff has picked that up. My two managers, they have one-on-ones monthly and they keep me informed of how those one-on-ones went, where we're at, what people are looking for. And it's really helped them engage and motivate their staff or have candid conversations with them on when they want something and they're not getting it to say, okay, but We've talked about your gaps, but what are you doing about the gaps? You keep telling me what you want, but what are you doing to get there? What advice do you have for people as far as conducting effective one-on-ones? Short and sweet. Um, you taught me this. Honestly, I hadn't done one-on-ones before you, to be super honest. I mean, I had I had talked to staff, but not targeted. Uh, and I best lesson I can teach is what you taught me is ask one question that gets what you need. Uh, for me, I asked uh, different, we've had different one-on-ones, but one of them was just what's getting in the way of raving fan service. And if there's a problem, that's going to be what you're going to hear. Sure. And that's exactly what I needed to know. And it's because I want to fix what is out there. Right. So yeah. it's ask a simple question that gets you everything you need. And you can't just, for me, I had to really think on this. Some people that may come easy. But I had to really think of what do I want to know about and how can I get there neutrally through a question? Mm -hmm. And that was how I got there. Uh, and I learned everything I needed to know with that one question. Uh, I didn't let it go an hour. Right. I just 
once they started going, then you can ask follow-up questions and you can be curious. Yep. And it's the whole leadership recipe. You know, I through curiosity, I had I gained knowledge, gained understanding, and then I could provide compassion as we went through that in a 15-minute conversation. It's like the life cycle of the leadership recipe in right. a nutshell, right? Um, but that's that's what I that's one thing I would do is get to know your people, uh, to cultivate that soil. Um, create an environment that's, that's genuine. People need to know it's safe. We've talked about this over and over. Psychological safety is critical when you're creating a culture. They have to know they can come to you with a, a concern, and they also have to know the boundaries of hierarchy and chain of command, but it has to be, it can't be expressly that way. Does that make sense? It yeah. has to be it has to be, you need to follow this, but there's exceptions to the rule. But I want to know that you were respectful of the process before you came to me. Did you give your manager an opportunity to solve it? Because I don't want them just coming to me, always right. wanting me to solve for something. Because right. that doesn't that doesn't build trust either. No, and you don't want to enable helplessness. You know, you right. want people to carry the ball as far as they can carry it. That's right. Well, and and the, the knowing people, uh, you know, I think an important point that's worth some emphasis is you know, it's one thing to listen to these conversations, to ask these questions and to hear people, but okay, now what are you going to do with that information? And I think that's where that, that first item of, okay, let's, let's put them in a position to thrive. You know, let's, in, let's keep them engaged, Yeah. but you got to do it in the context of, of where they're at and yeah. what they're driven to do. You have to be wise enough um, I learned a great lesson from Tom Hart, who was our prior city manager, and he was very big on, it's not just getting them on and off the bus, it's getting them on the right seat on the bus. And sometimes you need to move the, move the people, you know, like musical chairs, That's right. but it needs, needs to be thoughtful and with intent. Uh, and I've done that strategically here on occasions. I don't do it all the time because I really am watchful for quite a while before I make a decision. But if I know somebody's got strengths and they're not in the right seat, I really move them, but I try to move them with their buy-in, right? I don't just go, okay, I'm putting you over here now. I think you're better served in this area. Mm -hmm. I really talk to them and say, listen, I think you've got a strength and we're not, we're not utilizing that to its fullest to where it can benefit you and benefit us. And I try to kind of advise them of where I see them and why I think that can be valuable in their growth and add add to them and to, you know, us. And um, I haven't had a case where that's failed yet. When I've seen where they can go, the trust that comes from that is immense if you do it well. You know what I mean? If yeah, but I, I would argue well, that it had, to start, it had to start from a position of trust. I mean, I'm thinking of all the sports analogies that you've, you've heard of, of coaches like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And I mean, some of the, the real premier coaches in, in football particularly – where there's been a player who may have played a certain position even through college. And one of these coaches says, you know, have you ever thought about this other completely different position on the mm -hmm. field? And I mean, there's a lot of stories of, of guys that have gone on even to play professionally from college or changed positions in the pros and, and made a career that, Later, you, you read interviews, and I've read, I've read a number of them. I can't think of a name right now, but well, you it's know, kind of, um, kind of fascinating. You know, it's Moneyball. 
Yeah. And I, you know, you know, baseball better than I do. I can't think of the guy's well, name where very he, well. he, he was there with, uh, with Washington and the, and the guy, he goes, he goes, well, we're going to hire you to be a first baseman. He goes, I, I've never played first base. <laughs> right. And he goes, Oh, it's easy. Washington, tell him it's easy. Yeah. And he goes, it's incredibly difficult. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What was his name? Hatfield? Uh, I don't uh, remember his name. I don't either. It wasn't Hatfield. It was, uh, no. anyway, I'm terrible about a sport, so I, I probably shouldn't have brought it up. But but Moneyball was to that exact point. Is He he saw the people and what they, and a way to get to the game differently and became yeah. famous yeah. for it. Yeah. But I think that's what I think that's yeah, I think I think that's what we do as leaders. You know, we're Mm -hmm. it's our job to put people in the very best position for success and to thrive and to grow. And, you know, shame on us if we don't if we a if we don't know our people well enough to know what their strengths are, to know what their drive is, what their motivation is uh, and what they want, what they need out of life every day at the office. The to worst not thing, put them in that position. Yeah, the worst thing you can do as a leader, uh, and I got I got stuck in a rut for a little bit. I got in survival mode. I've been there, so I can speak to this. The worst thing you can do as a leader is just try to survive doing tasks every day. You've stripped away your people. You're just focusing on what we need to do today to get the job done, and that is your sole purpose. It's a, a checklist learned a valuable lesson that a checklist alone does nothing but make people feel like a number. Well, you're liable to wake up one day realizing you're looking at a big, long checklist and nobody to help you. That's right. (laughs) That's not a great, that's not a great feeling. And those are moments you can live in those moments, but you got to get out of them quickly. Right. I mean, we all, there are times when it is the checklist and I got to get that done. That's right. Payroll, for instance, you got to process payroll and it's a big checklist. Yeah. But once it's done, you need to focus on the things of recognition and reward and thankfulness and gratefulness. And you know what I mean? It just is so many components to, to making that soil. Yeah. But people, but people are out there, people are out there, they're managing this conveyor belt. I sent you a, I sent you a a social media. I don't know. There's some, I don't know if it was a gif or what it was, but it was, it was a person that was getting pelted by dodgeballs. Oh yeah. They were just getting, and it, it said I, something. That's my favorite scene in that movie. Yeah, it, it said something <laughs> to the effect of, you know, I mean, this is the way the workload is. And so yeah. we've got people that are listening to us, that are watching us, and I can hear them and you can too. Yeah, that's all great and wonderful, but who's got time for that? And your yeah. retort your retort the, would the rah, be. The rah-rah. Yeah. What, what yeah, well, you, you better invest in the rah-rah or I suspect you're going to continue. Your churn is going to be far more than most people's churn. So what can I do practically speaking? So, but that's my viewpoint. Okay. You persuaded me to at least try something. What should I try? That's Randy. That's too hard of a question (laughs) (laughs) because there's some, I would tell you first, listen to your people. What do we need to fix? Yeah. I would say first, just one simple question. Just ask. Yeah. I would say first, just communicate more. That's right. Just communicate more. Just get out of your head and get it out of your mouth. Come on. Families work the exact same way, right? And you and I both, we've been, we've been married to our spouses for a long time. And it's true for those newlyweds. And it's true for those of us that are long in the tooth married to, to, uh, to our spouses. 
we've just got to get it out of our head and out of our mouth. We've just got to say it. I mean, Rhonda and I've been married going on 46 years. I still can't read her mind. I got a pretty fair idea, but I still can't read her mind. And she's well, that's can't, partly because we're women, Randy, and she still can't read my mind, you know? So I would say it, that's it goes first. to that chart. Have you seen the chart of the man and a woman? And it shows probably it shows you, you've seen this. It's an oh, electrical panel yeah. with all the switches and oh, it says yeah. woman. Right. And then it scrolls down to the man and it's on off. Yeah. Right. It says we're that simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. but there you go. That's that. So it's part of it's, it's the human person. The human is just. But see, my argument would be that there, there's not really a time element there. I think it's more, it's more being mindful and thoughtful. It's yeah. being intentional. It's behaving with purpose. I'm not going to tell anybody in our audience, you, you just better, you better build in 30% more time. I don't no. view it that way. I view it. You just need to change your behaviors a little bit. If you're not communicating, if you're not sharing, start. I mean, for me, not, just well, and start if you're not there. Listening, you've got well, to listen. absolutely. I mean, part of great communication is not just, I've seen a lot of leaders that just know how to talk. They will talk. Yeah, but how many, but how many employees? Yeah, but what I'm talking about, how many employees, you know, employees come to work every day and they've got questions. That's right. I've, I hear it. I loiter in the halls and I can leave, I can leave some officer's office and I can go loiter and you just hear it everywhere you go. People wondering what the boss is thinking about this, wondering what they mean by that wondering what's going to happen with this because while the bosses are, they may be flapping their gums a lot, mm -hmm. but they're not sharing meaningful information. They're not answering the questions that employees have to your point, And it's a great point. One that we need to emphasize, I think. Yeah. Listen, but ask questions. Then well, I would say, answer, answer the stinking questions and be humble. You know, the, the foundation we have talked about is humility. Um, a prime a prime example is I've got a I've got a churn right now. I had an employee leave. I you know didn't expect this individual to leave, but but they have left, and the churn is is on. And I could have easily gone in and just filled that position. We've got a nice org chart that's completely level. It's right. equal on all sides. Uh, but you know what? I went to my managers first. Said, "What do we need? Where's the gap?" Where's the load? Where do yep. we need to balance? And then I went to the business partners. Okay, I've heard from the managers. What do you guys see on your team? I can fill it with your partner. And they were great. They said, you know what? I would love to have another person next to me again. But I really feel the need is, is at the specialist level. Very, very wise. They were discerning. They expressed it. And then guess what? When I went to the specialists and the coordinators, which are my two lowest levels, I said, okay, I've heard from the business partners, the managers, what do you need? Exact same thing the business partners said they needed. And at first, honestly, they looked at me. They were all, I'm talking and I said, here's what, here's our current. So you know what everybody does because they were newer. Mm -hmm. You may not realize what everybody does. Here's what they do. Here's what we're thinking. Lots of options, but what do you need? What makes sense for us? Because I'm doing this for the team. I'm not doing this to promote an individual. I'm not looking at a person to fill it. I just need to know what does the team need and we'll worry about the person later. 
exact same thing that the business partner saw and actually had some great ideas of things that I hadn't thought of yet. And so um, had I not asked, and if I wasn't humble enough, I, it could have been very easy for me to say, no, what I need is another business partner. And I'm just going to get it posted today now that it's vacant. Could have easily done that. Um, but it's important to listen, you know, because they had so many more better ideas than I had that made great sense and actually were thinking of others. But they were also merging to my goal that I had communicated at first saying, here's what I'm trying to achieve. And they said, well, we could take this off of this person, this off of this person. And it, it goes with what you just said. I was like, okay, I, I'm not following. And once they explained it, I'm like, you're exactly right. That absolutely fits. Great idea. Because at first they were all looking at me and I'm like, guys, I really want your opinions. There is no right. bad idea. Right. And so then a hand goes up, you know? Uh-huh. Right. All <laughs> it takes is one hand. They're, yeah. Yeah. Right. They're a specialist. They're an hourly talking sure. to their director and that can be intimidating. Yeah. You well, know? newsflash to every leader out there, most of our problems can be solved at our lowest level if we'll, right. just, if we'll just go ask because they're living with these problems every single day. That's we're right. not. You know, we're, right. we are so far removed from that particular thing, usually, that it's one among many things for us. It's not one among many things for them. So it's they've funny. thought about it. Yeah. How many times have I gone out and I hope this happens to other directors and not just me. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure what we do is, and then I talk to them. They're like, no, that, no, no that's not we what did we that did. five years ago. <laughs> right. We stopped <laughs> doing I'm that like, a long time ago. Did we ago. change that? And they're like, yeah, because we had a problems with this and that, but, yeah. but I've empowered them to make the change. Right. You do not have to have approval. Just go make it. But I do like to know about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would <laughs> yeah. like to know we changed it. <laughs> right. But, and, and I'm honestly, I'm sure they told me and I've just forgotten because I'm yeah. not hands on right. every day. But I love the fact that they're like, no, this is what we do. And they'll immediately send me, here's our SOP. Here's our forms yeah. for it. Yeah. If you know, in case you're needing to communicate it to somebody, um, they almost know what I'm thinking before I've asked. They kind of arm me with everything I need. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. somebody's asking you, so here's everything. But I love the fact that my coordinators that sit at the front counter, like a senior office assistant type. Yeah. They're telling us what we need to do. When we were at a hiring fair, a brand new girl I had from Parks. And she's like, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. This flow doesn't feel right. And I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, we're, we're taking them over here, and then we're taking them back there, and then we go back over there. And it's, mm -hmm. it just seems like we're bouncing them around. I said, well, what would you recommend? She goes, well, how about if we set up blah, 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 right? And she just, I was like, well, that's a good idea. You know, but I told her, I'm just proud of you for speaking up. Keep speaking up because it's important because you just fixed something that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And so it's just building that trust with them, building the rapport that you are important to me, your opinions count. Uh, and that's how you just start learning people. And I think through learning them, trust is inherently developed because it becomes safe that they can speak up. Well, these are cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it, it still for me is team still is together. Everybody achieves more. Right. And you as a leader, you are not separate and apart from the team. But nor is that lowest level person or the highest level person that's on your team. And so I think a big component of all of what we're talking about is making sure everybody feels like and understands that they are a valued member of the team. And right. to do that, yep, we, we got to be willing to listen to them and they have to be willing to, 
step out there and be heard. We can do that best, in my opinion, by making sure they know they're heard. We can reinforce the fact that we are listening to them. We are taking into consideration. Doesn't mean that you're going to do everything. They could have easily come up with some suggestion that would have been problematic for reasons that maybe were beyond their understanding. Right. But as a director, you understood it. Okay. In this situation, it didn't. So this vacancy that you had, you didn't, you didn't, or you're not going to directly replace that. You're, you're going to marshal your resources somewhere else. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. We're just going to, we're just going to realign the position to a different level. Uh, it's actually a lower level where there's greater support needed and then move some duties off of all the other staff that relieves them a little bit and we get them more help. And there's a case where the churn could have, you can speak to it, could have played to your benefit, could have benefited the whole team. Right. And, and you know what I learned too, and I saw, uh, I experienced it is just like my upper staff, my, my professional level staff saw the need at the lower level of the team, the lower level immediately when they said, yeah, we need, we need that person. But what about, what about her? She's, she's overwhelmed right now because it was her peer that's gone. How are we going to move stuff from her to others? And I explained, we had thought through that already and that we were going to, you know, spread that load out. But what a great demonstration of teamwork and, and compassion for one another, because they could have easily also said, we need more people. Yeah, we don't just care been about selfish. business partners. They get paid a lot. We, right. you know, they yeah. could have demonstrated selfishness, but they didn't. Through, yes, we need help here, but what about her? How can we help her? And uh, I, I greatly appreciate that that's, when you talk about the soil, just because I lose, I think that's what's important to understand about the churn when we talk about this. Just because you have it doesn't mean it's all bad. We right. talked about if they if if you're a listener and haven't listened to the first two parts of this three part series, what we talked about is the churn is in, inevitable. You need to plan on it happening. The frequency at which it happens uh, can be there can be a cause to that that you need to explore, but it can also be because you're growing and sending people. It can also be because they've accepted a better you know a higher level position. Um, I've had churn. And I've had people challenge me on, oh, is it a, is there something in the environment? I said, go ask all my people. Go ask the people if there's something in the environment. I'm not afraid of you asking them. Right. I can guarantee you there's not a problem in the environment. Yeah. They did this because it was better for them and their family. And how can I stop that? You know, I'm proud of them for having to do that and wanting to grow. And well, go. most all of us, there could be exceptions, but most all of us, we got an we got an opportunity because of churn. That's right. One man's ceilings, another man's floor, and all that. Right. So I mean, I've got I have gotten countless jobs. I wasn't the first. Yeah. Somebody was before me, and their displacement gave me an opportunity. Had that not happened, I don't know. You know. Well, and I'm I'm very proud because most of the churn, not all of it, people are seeking them out. I finally told them at one point, I said, I'm not sending y'all to any more networking stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to quit getting y'all out there and meeting people. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'm, pr- I'm proud of the fact that they, that we are a known source for producing good people. Like we all have exceptions, right? It also serves as an attraction though. Yeah. 
That's works right. on the other end to get you candidates that you might not otherwise get. That's right. But it also people, I, I think it's out there that people know that it is frantic busy. So it can scare people away and, sure. it, can, it can draw people in. It depends on, again, the right fit for the job, yeah. the right fit for this environment. It probably is repelling those that it needs to, and it's probably attracting those that it needs That's to. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Let's put a bow on this. Yeah. So part, part three. So how, how do you want to sum this up for folks? Well, I'd talk about, uh, let me summarize all three parts. First, you've got the churn, which is part one. You need to expect it. Two, how do we mitigate the churn and minimize it where we have control and power to do so? And we we talked about, uh, you know, there's there's four parts of that kind of, we went away from the garden thing, but it was the stool, four parts of the, four legs of the stool um, that you have to be aware of and make sure you're producing an environment. And then once you get the people, so now that you're filling the gap where the churn left you, you've got to make sure you have set up a culture and an environment. You've gotten the right person for the job, filled it with the right fit for your team and your city. And then lastly, you're developing and continuing a culture uh, and an, an environment where people can grow. That's what's in my mind, most important. And it takes everybody working together to get that you as a leader, them as people, and the foundation, which your culture is built. I'll end by inviting people to uh, share your experience with us. I mean, let us know what, what your experiences are, you know, what, what, what's happened with you. What have you found that works? What have you found that, that doesn't work? Doesn't work. Uh -huh. If you go to our website, go to growgreat.com and at the bottom of every post, you'll see ways that you can connect with me and Lisa. We've got a contact page, shoot us an email and, uh, we might share in a future show. If you'll give us permission, we don't have to, but we'd like to hear from you. I'm just going to end by saying, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate everybody. Thanks for watching and listening to grow great, a city government leadership podcast for Lisa Norris. I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.